In Session with Dr. Farid Holakuru. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. First, a few announcements. The first one is that uh, in just under two weeks, April 23rd from 3 to 6 p.m. will be my next seminar. This one is going to be on emotional intelligence. So that's uh, in two weeks, April 23rd, Sunday from 3 to 6 p.m. And again, it'll be at the Olympic Collection and tickets are available at the door for $40. Hope to see you there. And then also wanted to make an announcement for this Wednesday's show. Uh, I'll be joined by Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We'll be talking about helicopter parents. I'm looking forward to having her on then, psychologist Jennifer Galvin, this coming Wednesday, April 12th. Um, And then the book for next week, uh, before I get into this week's book, is Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. Um, I just realized that two weeks ago the book was Mindset by Carol Dweck, but this one is Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. I'll make sure to post a picture of it, especially this time, so you can make sure you have the right book. But the book for this past week, which I'll talk about tonight, is Daniel Goldman's book, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. And as I said, my next seminar will be on emotional intelligence, a topic I think is very important, crucial. Um, first is understand why it's important, but then understand what it is, and then also how we can develop it. Develop it. Now, this book... Um, by Daniel Goleman came out in 1995 and people had talked about emotional intelligence before, but it was a lot newer of a topic back then. And fortunately, it's much more common for people to know about emotional intelligence or to use that term or to say EQ um, to compare it to IQ. Although Daniel Goleman himself prefers EI for emotional intelligence, but nonetheless, it's good news that it's becoming more common and something that more people are aware of. But when he wrote this book, it was far less known about and talked about. Now, as the title itself says, why it can matter more than IQ, Daniel Goldman talks about how research was finding that although IQ tests were developed to help predict success, they were finding that they only really predicted about 20% of success. They weren't this really great predictor of success, meaning that other things were more important, or at least were making up that 80%. And as Daniel Goldman says, he's not saying that the other 80% completely is emotional intelligence, but the emotional intelligence is a big 
part, and I don't think he talks about it in this book because more research has been done since then, but research is showing that actually it is a better predictor of success than IQ, your emotional intelligence. Now, he, he does a great job in the first part of the book, especially and throughout, talking about the brain and especially how we have essentially what we can call an emotional brain or the emotional part of the brain, the limbic system. And then we also have the frontal cortex, which is more what we might consider the rational mind. But he gets into the neurobiology of how the brain works and how actually the emotional brain sometimes gets a message, especially in stressful situations, more quickly than the rational mind. So to give an example, you hear a sound and some of the signal goes directly or very quickly to the amygdala, something in the emotional brain. And that's why you might actually start to act before you even know what's going on. You might start running or make a reaction before you um, actually know, before the thinking brain has a chance to really assess the situation. And there's a reason for this because uh, in moments of danger, it is good if you can, the more quickly you can react, even hundredths and thousands of a second can make a difference. So the more quickly we can react, the better our chances of survival, especially for our ancestors. So he explains how we have this emotional brain, which of course is a good thing, as I was just saying, we need that because it can help us in many situations. But at the same time, there are times where our emotional brain can react in ways or can cause us to act in ways that are not in our best interest, especially living in today's world. Now, some people go to the other extreme. They say emotions are bad. They get us into trouble because they don't um, have a logic to them, although in a way they actually do. And they think we have to be purely rational and that that's a sign of strength. But Daniel Goldman points out in this book um, some individuals who had damage to the emotional parts of their brain and those people, and it wasn't his own research, but another, I don't know if it was a doctor, a psychologist or psychiatrist, he found that these individuals were not able to make good decisions at all. When faced with some decisions, they really couldn't decide what was better or worse because they didn't feel anything about them. So as he explains, although we might think sometimes there's a superiority to being rational and logical, really what we want to aim for is to have an integration of our emotional intelligence and our rational mind. Or we want to essentially get information from both of these sources. And to ignore the emotional is actually going to hurt us and gets in the way, especially when we think of some decisions that we have to make that are much more dependent or have much more of an emotional impact. For example, being in a relationship. Although we want to use our rational mind to assess the situation and be wise and cautious maybe in how we proceed, we want to make sure we're aware of our emotions with the person. How do we feel? How do we feel with the person? What are the things that attract us to them? Because that can inform us of maybe actually if it's good or bad or for the right or wrong reasons. And again, how we feel with, uh, around them is essential. And many couples who uh, might face some issues later on down the line, might recognize they felt some things earlier on, but they chose to ignore them. So our emotional brain can give us a lot of information. And again, we have just one brain, but the emotional part of the brain, the limbic system, can actually inform us. And also, if we don't have a good awareness of what we are feeling, 
we know that we always have an emotional state and we'll end up making decisions or influencing decisions more than we recognize. So without having a strong emotional intelligence, a strong sense of that part of who we are in our world, we're actually going to be at a disadvantage. And this might be part of why IQ can only explain so much of how people end up being successful or not ending up successful. There's much more involved. Now, the ways we can define emotional intelligence or the different domains or uh, types of it that we can look at, there's lots of people that have different definitions. Now, Daniel Goldman in this book, he uh, uses one of the earlier ones de developed by Salovey, the name one of the people who first started writing about emotional intelligence. That includes five domains, but um, I think a more simplified one has four. But let me tell you about the five that's here that Daniel Goleman talks about in this book. So the first one, the first component or domain of social uh, emotional intelligence is knowing one's emotions. So this is essentially self-awareness. How uh, in touch with my feelings am I? How able or capable am I to identify and name my feelings at a given time and understand what makes me feel certain types of things. What are my sensitivities? What are my insecurities? What makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? So this, in some ways, is the foundation of our emotional intelligence. How in touch and aware are we of ourselves and our emotions? Without this, it's hard to do the rest of the skills or the rest of the um, domains that we can look at. Number two, managing emotions. So we're aware of our emotions if we're capable of that and, and part of the first uh, skill. But now how do we use that? Because having an emotion itself is not a good or a bad thing. That's part of what we talk about, non-judgmental awareness. But what we do with that feeling is very important. You can be angry um, and that's okay, but how you express it could be very destructive by becoming aggressive hurting someone, or you can do it in a very healthy way where you let someone know that you are upset and express yourself. So the emotions themselves are not good or bad, but how we manage them and how we express them and handle them is critical uh, in, in dealing with how emotionally okay we are going to be. Or also for managing your emotions, do we use healthy coping skills or do we turn to drugs and alcohol and other types of things to soothe ourselves, which actually create more problems than the emotions themselves? Number three in this list of five is motivating oneself. This looks at things like discipline, self-control, being able to delay gratification, something that we know is critical for success academically and professionally. Number four is recognizing emotions in others. This is empathy or social awareness. How capable am I at understanding other people's feelings, being able to pick up on them, understanding um, what might, why someone might feel the way that they do. And overall, this sense of empathy, a very big part, especially of the social component of emotional intelligence, our sense of empathy. And the fifth one is handling relationships. So using all of these things about ourselves and also our ability to understand other people and have empathy, how well am I able to handle relationships? Those are the five domains that he describes in this book. Now, the good news about emotional intelligence as opposed to IQ is that our EQ or our emotional intelligence, we can work on it and improve it. 
our IQ tends to be relatively stable. There's only so much we can do to improve your IQ and really not much can be done, especially after a very young age. It's very stable. However, your EQ, you can work on and develop. Um, and actually a book I'm going to talk about in a couple of weeks talks a little bit more about the ways that you can do that. But also what we really want to do, and Daniel Goldman talks about this in the last segment of this book, is he emphasizes the importance of teaching emotional intelligence to children in schools and from a very young age. Like many things, there are these critical windows of when we can have a greater impact uh, learning a certain skill or, for example, learning a language. And because of the way the brain is developing, as Daniel Goldman points out, we still have a developing brain in these young children, all the more reason to teach them these emotional skills and capabilities to help them in their lives. He also he talks about how not having emotional intelligence can lead to things such as increased drug use or alcohol use, risky behavior, um, violence, and other negative types of consequences. Because if someone is not able to understand their feelings and know how to cope with them and deal with them, well, then they're going to turn to some very bad means to try to get by or to make sense of their world or take care of themselves. But if we can teach them these skills from a young age, it can have a huge impact. And he talks about and he goes into certain schools who have implemented programs, and this is back in the 90s, um, using emotional intelligence curriculum and making it part of the everyday uh, experience of the children and seeing the incredible impact it's having on the children, both emotionally, but also academically. Children who go through these emotional intelligence programs and curricula during their schooling end up doing better academically as well, which to me is no surprise when you consider that by being able to manage their emotions more, by taking care of themselves better, and also um, understanding themselves better, they're able to do better in school. And also part of emotional intelligence is having good relationships. The better your relationships are, the happier you're going to be and the more social support you're going to have that's going to help you throughout the challenges you're going to experience. So as he puts it, really, um, it's almost like we have no choice but to incorporate emotional intelligence into our schools and for everyone to educate themselves and become more aware because the costs are so high and it really just makes sense. Um, generally, we tend to think of school as a place where kids learn knowledge or they learn the academics, but really we're missing the point that we're supposed to also help children learn about how to develop themselves emotionally and become good human beings, not just good scientists, lawyers, doctors, whatever they might become, good, but good members of society for themselves and for all of us. And, um, you know, really I, I find this book really interesting because, again, it was one of the first books that was written on this topic, but I think he makes a great argument for why it's so important for us to have emotional intelligence be just something that we have uh, always that from, from early education on. Um, but also the research since then is showing more and more how helpful it can be. Unfortunately, it's being incorporated in more and more schools. So even as a parent, uh, I would recommend asking if you're looking at a preschool or even elementary school, asking what kind of emotional intelligence curriculum do they have at their school, if any, and in what ways do they teach that? Because it's that important. We need to be um, this, make it this important that it's something that really 
we it was as if we you went to a school and they didn't teach math. That's how it should become. That really this should be so much a part of what children are learning. And again, for all of us, if you're an adult, you can work on your EQ too. And don't sell yourself short and make sure you do that. So the book for this week was Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence. And the seminar I'm doing in a couple of weeks will be on emotional intelligence. The next few books will be uh, related to that as well. And um, the next book, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is Daniel Siegel's book, Mind Sight, which uh, is really interesting as well. So hope you'll join me in reading that. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Lockwe. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fadi Lockwe. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hey. So, um, I actually called. Um, I think it was like a month ago, and I asked you about uh, Christianity. But, uh, oh, I, okay. I remember that yeah. call. Yes. All right. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> yes, you're that guy. Well, thanks for calling back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you this week on, about um, just the pros and cons on uh, of Instagram. Okay. Well. You know, I definitely have a lot of thoughts, but I want to hear, especially if there's something specific you were wondering about, but also your own thoughts about it. Like, like my thoughts about it? Yeah, like what made you ask the question? Like, where, I wanted to kind of hear where you're coming from. Well, like, I don't know, just like, I actually, like, um, just started using it recently. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, like I said, I, I told you I'm... Like, I don't know if you remember, but I said I'm graduating this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm in grade 12. And, like, up until now, I wasn't, like, up until January, I wasn't using it, like, all throughout high school. And then I just started using it a lot and, like, posting a lot of pictures. And, like, I'm just, like, like it's, like, um, I'm always kind of on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I don't know if, like, my phone's kind of far away from me and, like, or something or say like like in my class like i always like pull out my phone and just go on instagram like i don't even know why yep like i just pull out my phone and just like i don't know like i, I read um what do you call it the the seven habits of highly effective people mm-hmm. people like that book and like i think it has something to do with like that abundance mentality kind of thing i don't know if it does babe you mean the you mean wanting to check your phone Sorry? You mean wanting to check your phone might be related to the abundance mentality, or what are you thinking about? Well, just just like the like Instagram of just like you know posting pictures, getting the likes, and you know just like. Well, I don't know, I don't know if I, I would see it slightly differently. Now, um, it's actually interesting what you were just talking about with like wanting to check your phone. I don't know. I just saw sixty minutes last night did uh, an interesting piece about that issue, and they're talking about how. They kind of try to make us get addicted to our phones, these various apps and platforms. They Because the more we're on, the better it is for them. That's how they work. Yeah. So they try to make you get on. And they were showing this research where um, we do have this anxiety build up when we don't check our phone. And we just want to mm-hmm. check it. Not because we hear even a notification or because we have something to do on it. But they're doing this research. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting showing how much we kind of have this build up. And then we want to just... And we get that relief, and that does create this almost um, 
addictive type quality. So overall, we know that our phones, uh, like any technology, it's not that it's purely good or bad, but that it can have good and bad effects and we can use it in good or bad ways. So even when we talk about something like Instagram, it has that same, uh, there's the same idea. Uh, I don't look at it as just good or bad, but I think it can be dangerous that people um, can really hurt themselves in various ways uh, through that. One is like anything, we want to pay attention to moderation or how much we're using it. People can get hooked on these things and they spend hours and hours on uh, social media and things like Instagram, really wasting time for the most part, not doing anything productive or getting too much out of it, very passively just looking at, at different things. So it's a new form of distraction that many people use to avoid their feelings and avoid their work. And of course, in that way, it's, it's very, it can be very negative. Another negative is that um, it can create a lot of social comparison. People go on Facebook or they go on Instagram and seeing sometimes idealized and also even photoshopped people or lives that are not very realistic and trying to compare it to their own can make them feel worse about themselves. I remember reading a study looking at people who were depressed going on Facebook and how it would make them more depressed because they're feeling bad about themselves and their lives and everything that's going on. And they look and it seems like everyone else is having so much fun and doing so many great things and it would make them feel worse about themselves. So I think social media, it's also a fairly new thing. We're, we're still learning how to use it and how to use it to our benefit and not hurt us because of course there's so much good that can come from it. Connecting people, um, people might have a certain issue and then they see someone posting who has a similar issue and that feeling of connection and uh, you know that sense that I'm not alone can be really incredible, something that before was not possible, especially with people who might be going through something that's not as common or people don't talk about. So there are ways that it can be used in a good way. Um, now, I'm just talking about looking at things, but then we also have to look at when people are posting things themselves. And for me, it's always important what your motivation is. If you have a group of friends and you like to keep them informed and keep connected with them of what's going on in your life, that can, you know, to me, that's okay. But many people are posting to get attention. And something I like to say is that likes uh, and follows are the new drugs of the tech age where or the digital age where people essentially they'll feel kind of down. And I know people that are like this, whether it's in therapy or just talking to them. They feel down and then they'll post something online with the hopes that they're going to get a lot of likes and that's going to give them this rush or this good feeling that, oh, look, yeah. 60 people have liked my post in an hour and they all of a sudden feel good. Um, but it's like a drug because then, of course, it goes away and then they feel it again. It's a very empty feeling. You know, it's this empty validation, especially with yeah. things like social media where people start following you and liking you that you don't even know. So it's these anonymous people liking you. And it's fairly meaningless. It's just like how we know that fame doesn't make happy someone happy, like real fame. We look at people like Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, and the list goes on mm -hmm. and on, who were still very unhappy with themselves, even if millions of people were loving them and liking them and uh, you know supporting them. The same thing goes with some likes you get online. It doesn't really, there's no substance to it. So I see a lot of people that are getting focused and fixated, and even not just 
people who are famous, but I hear kids and they're talking about how many people have liked their post or if not enough people like the post, they delete it because it's embarrassing. If people yeah. see that only three people liked your post, that was from a week ago. So it is creating these, or I guess I don't want to say creating because it always exists, these popularity contests of different sorts that are, to me, very unhealthy and lack a lot of substance. And people start to do things just to get likes rather than doing good things that maybe yeah. people will actually like. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your own thoughts? I mean, you said now you started posting more. Um, where did that motivation come from for, from for you? Um, I don't know. I was just like, I felt like I needed to get connected. Uh -huh. Just because like Facebook was kind of like, it's kind of like old now, especially for like kids and stuff. And, yeah. Like, teenage kids. Like, no one's on really <laughs> I, yeah, but well, I, I think I hear that more. Yeah, it's more Snapchat and uh, Instagram is a little yeah. bit more for the younger generation. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, yeah, I just felt like I needed to get Instagram and just like start posting and start like connecting more with like other people and just like <laughs> my, like just sort of like other friends that don't go to like my school because mm -hmm. like Facebook was just kind of like no one, like Messenger, like no one uses it that much. Mm hmm like not as much as Instagram. Um, I was actually reading this article on uh, Snapchat and was talking about, I don't know if this is how you pronounce it. It's called like hedonism. Is that, is that it? A hedonism? Uh, I don't know. It's just like, ah, uh, man, here, hold on, hold on. You're probably thinking, um, it sounds like you're saying hedonism. Oh yeah, I, th I think that's it. Mm -hmm. H-E-D-O-N-I-S-M, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was talking about that, mm -hmm. of... Um, about snapchat and just like just like like self-image and and mm -hmm. just um about that well i think definitely you know it, it does promote in some ways a level of narcissism and um it doesn't really promote a depth of character when these types of things it's mostly very superficial how do you look what kind of things do you have nice things of course people use it for like i said before some very important causes and spreading awareness of important things but in general, it more is promoting um, a, sort of a, a sort of narcissism. Look at me, uh, look what I'm wearing or look what I'm doing or I ate this yeah. today or I did that today. Some pretty meaningless stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to me, that, it's, that, that's not a good thing. And I think it is promoting that and, and promoting some more superficial type of uh, qualities. But one thing I was going to say about all of these things I think is very important is make sure you're using Instagram and Instagram is not using you. And by that, I mean, and that applies for all social media, that um, people get the, the addiction part of social media is like, you have to be on it. I need to use it. And it interferes with your work, your life, all sorts of different things can start, you know, going to the side because you get so focused on that. And rather it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do it a few minutes here and there and I enjoy it, but it's not going to be something I need to do or it gets in the way. For example, kids, you know, if you're studying, and I see this all the time, if they have their phone out, they're going to get a text or a snap or, you know, a like or comment on something every few seconds or minutes. And if they attend to each one, you're not going to get any work done. So you really just have to just put your phone away, put it face down, don't even have the vibrate on. Because if you hear that your phone went off, that anxiety again comes that I need to check it. I have to see what it is. So you have to somehow put it where you can't even see if you're getting notifications or not with which still as i was saying 
the research that I was seeing um, is showing that you're still going to feel an anxiety to want to check your phone, but it'll be a lot easier than if you know there's a ding or a vibration telling you that, oh, someone either commented or texted me or snapped me or whatever else. Um, and that, that's going to distract you. So social media is one of those things you want to make sure you're using it and it's not using you. Um, what is that anxiety from? What is anxiety from? Just like the addiction? or? Like well, I think there's a few things that can probably be going on. One is like that you're maybe missing, Alex, something's happening and you need to check it to see if something happened. Did someone um, message you? And, you know, is there something yeah. going on? Also, I think there's a general anxiety of, you start to feel your emotions and because of that you want to distract yourself so it's any type of distraction but the phone becomes the easiest source because i see that all the time and i've even seen myself do it that i sit down somewhere and you just take out your phone and i'm mindlessly looking at something i don't have anything to do i'm not really trying to see something i maybe even memorize the news feed or my feed because i've seen it a few times but it's just to distract myself so i think that's another element of it but it does become this addictive relationship that we have that we feel like we have to check it or i'm going to miss something if yeah. i don't or you know it, it's just this feeling that we get and unfortunately it takes away from us again the phone social media all these things can contribute to our lives but if we're not careful they can definitely take away from it too mm -hmm. i kind of feel like my sense of security kind of comes from instagram i don't know why what do you mean by security just like, um, I don't know, just um, how do I describe this? Um, like how you feel health. about yourself? Yeah, like my self-worth. Okay, so not like security isn't safety, but like the opposite of insecurity, like feeling secure in yourself. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so do you mean because like people are liking your posts or you look at your picture compared to other people or things you're posting compared to other people, how is it contributing in that way? I don't know. I just feel like Instagram kind of, like, it represents who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, yeah, that's something, and I've heard other people say that too, and that's where I think it, it can be a good thing, you know, giving your, your sense of identity, like you feel like, well, if someone looks at my page, they know me. But of course, then there's so much into that. Is it the real you? Is it really this image you're trying to put, which I think happens for a lot of people, unfortunately. So that's something that's important for me. It's like, okay, maybe it gives you a sense of identity and you get to represent it to the world. But mm -hmm. is it really you? Or is it how you wish yourself to be seen to yourself and to other people? And that's where it gets very tricky because most people... You know, I always joke because I'll, I'll hear about a couple breaking up and you talk to people like, oh, my God, they looked so happy. Like, well, of course, when they post pictures, they're smiling. They don't post pictures in the middle of a fight or when they're yeah, angry yeah, at each yeah. other. Right. So everything yeah. looks really good online when it's, you know, you put filters yeah. on it and it's the best moments and all those kinds of things. So it's a little bit unrealistic. It's usually not a full picture of ourselves. Even I'm sure if we look at your yeah. Instagram, it's the parts of your like of yourself you like, not parts yeah. of yourself maybe you don't like. So. Uh, you know, it's again, not all bad or all good, but like anything, it has a potential to be dangerous. If, if you ask me, all the social media can become very addictive. Uh, it can consume us. It can have these negative effects on how we view things. We focus too much on superficial things, potentially, depending on who we're liking and following and all of that. So it's just something to keep an eye on. I would always ask myself if I were you, and this is for anyone listening also, before you post something What's my intention? Why do I want to post this? Why do I want people yeah. to see this? Is it really 
you know, I want to connect with people that know me and express something, or am I feeling kind of down and I want to get some approval or appreciation or, uh, you know, whatever else reasons might be. That to me is very important. Um, And I would say as far as posting goes, less is more. So if you're posting 10, 20 times a day, it's probably not a good sign if you ask me. But if you're posting here and there, I don't know anyone that posts 10 times. That might be a little bit, that might be excessive. Although with the things like stories, people are posting 10, you know, they can make a story with 10 things, but probably not 10 posts a day. But if it's, you know, even a couple a day, depending on, you know, some people do it professionally and I understand like they might have a career they're promoting. Um, but you know, if, if not, it's like, you know, it, it can be a little bit excessive, but you know, like I said, keep an eye on it, but I appreciate you calling and, uh, giving us the update and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Wait, I have one more question. Sure. Um, what, 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 what's your thought on, uh, Tinder? Like, oh, uh, Tinder. Okay. How about let's, let, you want to talk, let's talk on the, after the break about that. Okay. That's a totally I different you, Can I, can I call you back? Yeah. Just call during the commercial. We're going to go to commercial break. Call back if you're having some issue with your phone and we'll, we'll make it work. Okay. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller, and he's still here. Caller? Hey. Hey, okay. So you said you had another question uh, about Tinder. Yeah. Okay. What's your question? Um... Yeah, so what do you think of just, like, the concept of, like, swiping right, swiping left, and matching? <laughs> well, yeah, it is funny. So I'll, maybe to explain to some people that don't know, Tinder is a dating app, although sometimes people call it the hookup app, but it's, you just call it overall a dating app, where um, people get to see a profile, you see a picture of someone, and you can either swipe right, which means you like them, or you swipe left, meaning you don't like them. And if you and the other person both swipe right, saying you like each other, you get a message saying that you've matched with them, and then uh, you live happily ever after. Or you can do whatever you'd like to do. At that point, you go to a uh, you get a place to message each other and go from there. So your question is, what do I think about it in general? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, first to say in general, as far as dating websites, um, dating apps go, I don't, I don't have anything against them overall. I think, especially with online dating, there used to be a very strong stigma attached to it, which, um, fortunately, that's become far less, where the stigma has been reduced, and we know that virtually everyone has tried some type of online dating. It's not something to be um, embarrassed about, ashamed about, it, and there's all sorts of people. Um, on there. So I'm very much in favor of encouraging people to try online dating because I know that stigma exists. Uh, In the Iranian community, I think it's even stronger than maybe the general American community or population. So I try to encourage people because they sometimes have that embarrassment or shame about being online dating. They say people are going to see my picture, people are going to talk about me or whatever they might say. But I always think, well, if someone sees your picture, that means they're on the website too. So how much can they really say? But there's nothing to be embarrassed about, and it's a great way to meet someone, or especially the way I talk about it, not just to do online dating, but it's online meeting, meaning that you meet online and then you do the dating in person. Unfortunately, sometimes people meet online and they date online and they keep it online, which is a very unhealthy thing, which creates a kind of pseudo relationship. So I always encourage people, if you meet online very shortly after you meet, 
uh, online or you match or whatever the process is for that website or app, see each other in person. Go for a coffee or go for a drink somewhere where you can see each other in person to see, uh, first of all, just to see the other person to get to know them, but really understand if there's chemistry there. And so you don't start to idealize them in your head. Now, you asked about Tinder, and it is also important to know that different apps and websites have different purposes. As I mentioned, Tinder is sometimes considered a hookup app, um, but I know a lot of people that have met on Tinder and dated, and even people that have met in t on Tinder and got married. So it's not just for hooking up, but you should know that for many people that are on something like Tinder, their intention is more for a casual sexual relationship rather than a long-term relationship or a romantic relationship. So you have to understand their intention might be there, and you have to be aware of that's what you might be getting yourself into. So, so would, yes, would go ahead. More, would you say it's more immature than mature? I don't know if I want to like categorize it so much in that way because, I mean, you know, people meet at bars and they meet places and they have casual encounters, and I don't want to call them mature or immature, there's a certain depth to them or a lack of depth maybe of just having a, a sexual encounter, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad as long as you know what your intentions are, you know what you're getting yourself into, you take your precautions to make sure you're safe both as far as sexually, but also, you know, who the person is and there's risks involved in that. That's why actually when it comes to online dating, I always say don't just go to someone's house or have them pick you up, meet somewhere in public the first time. Just to make sure, not to make people paranoid, but that these, you know, there's real dangers out there. There are some people that you want to avoid and you don't know who you're meeting. So I would always say meet um, in public. But now, as far as, it, you know, Tinder being immature or mature, I, like I said, I wouldn't want to categorize it in that way. Because to me, it's much more complicated than than that to say it, it's mature or immature. Okay. You know, the, the book, like the... Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he talks about, like, uh, these three things, like, in one part of the book. It's like the, um, it's like um, abundance mentality, integrity, and maturity. Like, we need those three things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, like, with that, like, like, what are your thoughts on just, like, people who, like, party and stuff and, like, do that kind of stuff? People who party? Drugs well, dr well, it yeah. depends on what, you know, because to me, partying itself, I, I understand your association was like to party means also to do drugs and those negative things. But, you know, I think it's very good to enjoy life and you should be having fun. Um, and even if you're trying to be an effective person, you also need to have fun and enjoy yourself, too. Of course, you want to do that in a way that makes sense for you and doesn't interfere with the rest of your life or hurt you as well. Again, I don't want to like it's hard for me to say partying it's, is immature or it's bad. Now, I know you're 17, 18 years old, um, so I'm sure you're exposed and you're seeing a lot of these things. And it seems like maybe you're questioning, well, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong? If I don't do those things, is that a good thing or should I be doing those things? Am I? Is any of this relevant to you, what I'm saying? Is that how you feel like you're trying to figure out your way yeah, in the social world? Yeah. So what? let me, before I kind of give a commentary, but what are your thoughts? Like, what, Where are you like in this process? What are you trying to figure out? Well, like I've, I've, um, I've done a lot of like, like I've been to parties myself, mm -hmm. and I've been to like raves and stuff, and like I used to like back in grade I used to smoke a lot of pot, mm -hmm. and that's when I um, 
I got like after about a year of doing that with like my friends, I got really bad anxiety yeah. and like depression. And then I just stopped doing it. And then just throughout high school, I've just been like going to like parties and like raves here and there. Mm-hmm. And like, I just think like, like I'm like, I'm sort of at the stage where I need to move on to like the next phase of my life. Okay. I don't know if it makes sense. Um, Sure. I mean, it it can make, it does make sense. And, you know, I think it's, um, these things, again, they're not black and white. So partying, like I said, is not bad, but like, Mm. I think you want to make sure you're doing it in a way that's not interfering with your life in a negative way. So if you're people, you know, people are partying on the weeknights and you're missing school. Well, that's, that's a problem. It's interfering with your life. But then other times you're having a good time with your friends and you're still getting to all your responsibilities and taking care of yourself then that seems okay so um to me that's more important but again as you just mentioned it's good to be aware of yourself what makes sense for you so everyone around you might be partying and you might be like you know right now it doesn't feel right to me or this way of having fun doesn't feel right to me or i don't want to do this drug or do that and that's okay and that's where you want to really listen to yourself and not you know we're going to be affected by people around us but really try to get in touch with what do i want and what makes sense for me who do I want to become? Is this in line with all of that? Um, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People talks about that too, really understanding yourself and what you want and make sure you're living that life because that's up to you. So yeah, maybe you're getting to a point where you feel that the people around you, some of them are doing things or encouraging you to do things that you don't want to do and you're at some type of a crossroads or you're having a dilemma. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah, know, like- like growing up, I've had like I was always around like the, like like the worst kind of kids. I guess mm-hmm. you could say, just uh-huh. like the, like just like the biggest troublemakers like around like in my school district and around my school. Like I was always hanging out with them. So I guess I am kind of like yeah. I can see why. So I, did you see yourself and, like, like I, that, like, and now you don't see yourself like that? Sorry? Did you maybe see yourself as like that, as a quote-unquote bad kid or troubled kid, and now you don't see yourself that way? Sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, that's maybe something you're having in, you know, uh, identity is something we're really forming our whole lives to a degree, but especially in our adolescence, that's a very big, there's a lot of identity envelop- development, and there could be identity confusion. You know, you're figuring yourself out, really. Who am I? Am I that yeah. person? Do I want to do those things? Maybe I still like it sometimes. If I'm not that, then who am I? And it seems like you're, you know, going through that and thinking about them in a, in a, because you use the word, I'll use it, mature way that you're trying to really analyze. And I think that's good. We don't want to live an unexamined life where we're not recognizing or realizing why we're doing what we're doing. We want to really take a yeah, look at it and not just yeah. act. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of come to like the realization also that like, um, one second. Like, I kind of come to, like, the realization that, like, um, like who you party with really matters. And sure. if you want to, like, if you, like, if that's, like, your one goal is to just do that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if it's, like... Well, that means... Like, like, yeah, you know, who we surround ourselves with, 
we all try to think, okay, well, I'm so strong and I'm so sure of myself and I have so much integrity that nothing is going to affect me. But we know that's not true. We're absolutely yeah. going to be influenced by who we surround ourselves with. And you want to ask yourself that every so often, you know, the people I'm surrounding myself with, are there, are they people I want to influence me? Do I want to become more mm-hmm. like them? And then of course the flip of that is we have to look at ourselves and say, am I someone that I think people would want to be like too? I mean, do I feel like I'm a good friend in that way too and make sure I'm being that myself? But yeah, we have to fully take into account that we're responsible for who we choose to spend our time with and who we choose to allow it to influence us. And we shouldn't take that decision lightly, especially in the younger years. There's a lot of changes and uh, phases and different groups that we might get ourselves into. And it very much can affect the trajectory of our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's good that you're considering these things and, and, and looking at them from different angles. But most important, I'd say, is to make sure you check in with yourself to recognize who am I and, you know, who do I want to become and who do I want to see myself become in these next years, and then you figure out the path that's going to get you there. Yeah. Do you think it's, like, good to be using Tinder at my age or no? <laughs> I guess it all comes back to Tinder at the end, right? That was the big the big question. You kind of wanted my permission to go on there. Well, I mean, look, I, I think you, you just have to know what you're getting yourself into and what it's about, um, okay. and, you know, that's definitely a personal choice. I wouldn't say yes or no. If you know you're just looking for casual dating then i mean if it wasn't on tinder you might be just creating the same situation in your life without not with swiping but you go to parties and go talk to different people and try to create those type of interactions so um i think what i'm hearing and we do have to wrap up i have like maybe 20 seconds left there may be some shame in just the hooking up and i know we talked about religion before so that might be playing a part in it is it bad to just hook up am i a bad person is it immature yeah you know maybe you're looking for me to judge you for it or to give you the approval and i really won't do either of those um you know maybe if you call back again we can talk some more but there isn't some right or wrong i can tell you that you should or shouldn't do it but i want you to notice that black and white thinking that you might be having because it's probably going to be in other parts of your life too of because i felt in a few of the questions you asked me you try to give get me to give you an answer that was either it's this or it's that when a lot of times it's much more complicated than that there's a lot more gray in these situations because if someone wants to have a hookup they can have a hookup if someone doesn't uh, you know they don't but i do have to wrap the show up but thanks for calling hopefully we can talk again sometime soon okay thanks Dr. all right man. have a great night all right thank you to that caller and listeners out there again the book for this week mindsight by daniel siegel you've been listening to in session with dr fatty delock we have a wonderful night <laughs>